passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, welcome. It's rewind to raw. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Tang. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Spectacular. Really? Yes, perfect. Sometimes I can't tell. I mean, I'm reading more tone than the actual words that are coming out of your mouth, and I, I, I can't really tell today. You don't believe me? Hmm. I mean, if you say so, I guess I have no reason not to believe you. Well, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. Today was now. What does that? A, what does that mean? Uh, you know, I actually had a pretty good day. It was it wasn't that eventful. Caught a gut nice nap, but I don't want to sound overly enthusiastic in case you had a really shitty day. So, uh, it was okay. It was good. Okay, just trying to detect detect uh your own uh bars and tone. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I had a pretty good day. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that June 21st went down as such a high-ranking day for both of us. What it's happened? Culminate in this. What happened? Sounds like sounds like you have something to say. I'm not. You're just you just uh, reading oh, okay. me poorly. <laughs> Come on here. Right. I'm a ten. Ten plus. We have lots to discuss on tonight's show. We have a three-hour raw to get to. It's a uh, hell in a cell week continued. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough yeah. of these matches. I think, uh, can they fit a cell into NXT tomorrow night? Oh, that might be a tough one. But, you know, come on. Just, like, put the cell in there permanently. Make it like a, you know, like the UFC octagon. It should be a part of every match. Yeah, you know, it's the end of the school year, and this felt like, uh, you know, Fox got some really good grades. You know, your your demo number's been pretty strong. So here's your, like, end of the school year present. Here's a Hell in a Cell match. And then Raw was like, they got a Hell in a Cell match. Why don't I get a Hell in a Cell match? It's like, oh, well, you know what, Raw? You've been slacking. You've been slacking. It's not been as uh, great of a school year for you. But he, Raw just whined and whined. It's like, fine, you can have one. But you're not getting 24 hours notice. You're getting two hours notice for your Cell match. I mean, I think Raw deserves it. You know, Raw like stays behind for an extra hour. Every day at school, you know, it doesn't really do it. Sometimes well, does but... feel like detention. Yeah, yep. You know, I think Raw has earned it. Well, congratulations, Raw. You got your prize tonight. Uh, we have news to discuss and a big schedule this week coming up at Post Wrestling, which 
a lot of people are very intrigued by, by the what well, we went to a focus group for a title, Pollock and Way Talk, coming out mm. on Tuesday. All right. Yeah. I, uh, Sounds who, very who cryptic. What could this mean? Pollock who, and Way Talk. What could this show consist of? Oh, well, we'll, we'll be gauging each each other's tones, I'm sure, throughout the, the entire course of the podcast. But yeah, no, I'm excited for this. It's just me and John. You know, we don't really have a movie or anything, any agenda, any wrestling show to talk about. So we're just going to you know, catch up with each other uh, for the patrons. I'm glad to know you're not coming into this with an agenda. That'd be very intimidating. No, it'd be subconscious if I... I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up and just chatting with you. About anything. Sure. I mean, I, I feel I feel like we're building this up, you know? It could be just really shitty. It's going to be monumental. And, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? At the end, we'll, uh, we'll assess. We'll see how it went. That's coming out Tuesday. All patrons, you can uh, check out the experiment. And then we've got Up Next on Tuesday night. Wednesday, Up Next is going to be busy. They've got Shot in the Dark. And then from Shot in the Dark to The Dark Night. All of that in one day from the Up Next crew. So there you go. Braden and Davey will be chatting uh, the 2008 classic starring Heath Ledger. Yeah, some may consider it the best superhero movie of all time. You know, certainly the best Batman movie of all time. So uh, they've been reviewing every single Batman film on their free feed. So I encourage everybody to go check that out on the Up Next feed. A lot of Batman movies. They've been doing these forever, seems like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're going to do all of them, including, I believe, the Lego Batman movie, which oh, I'm very excited to so Maybe they'll be doing this for that. years, it sounds like. Okay, we'll check mm-hmm. that out on Wednesday. Uh, later on this week, we've got MCU Later. We're up to what I will call the mid-season point of Loki, episode three coming up. That is true, yeah. Through episode three, we're already halfway there. So, uh, yeah, I'll be talking about it with WH Park. Uh, there, have you been keeping up? I have. I'm, I'm two episodes deep. I'm up to, okay. uh, I, I was intrigued to follow on episode two, so I did watch it thoughts um thus far uh the the multiverse stuff is is i'm trying to keep up with all of this stuff it can be a lot it's a lot even sometimes for me you know it just gets so nerdy and so technical but once you get into it i mean i, I think the important thing is to not try to overthink it if you can but yeah it, it, it can be a little daunting loki and owen wilson like the the two of them together are they're really standing out for me. I think that's what is certainly I'm attaching myself to most in this series that is keeping me uh, compelled beyond whatever uh, realm and time continuum is being disrupted. Well, that's where WH Park and I come in. Hopefully, uh, those of you on the Patreon can uh, enjoy MCU later. That comes out every Thursday night slash Friday morning. Friday. Mark this down. Nothing. We will be live, not on Friday, but on Saturday night. We will be live on Saturday night, 10.15 Eastern after Saturday night Dynamite. So Rewind to Down continues for at least one more week where we will review SmackDown and Dynamite on Saturday this week. So clear out your weekend plans and join myself and Mr. Ting as we will talk Kenny Omega, Jungle Boy, and whatever goes down on SmackDown as well. I'm looking forward to this on Saturday. As am I, a rare Saturday show. Uh, what are you going to do with your Friday night? Uh, on Friday, I will probably end up having to watch uh, SmackDown at, at some point on on Friday night because Saturday during the day will not be uh, very likely for me. There's also, I mean, we probably won't be talking about this. There's PFL and Bellator 
going head to head, which is a conundrum for wow. one Eric Marcotte. But uh, actually, it, PFL is the more intriguing of the two cards this coming uh, Friday. He's got he's got two eyeballs. I imagine he'd probably have two TV screens somewhere. He could watch both at once. Type reports for both at once. I'm sure. Yeah, it's not the most intriguing Bellator card. We're talking about an interim heavyweight title that will be mm. decided. Not exactly the most okay. exciting thing Bellator is putting forth uh, in the coming months. And then Sunday, what better way to wrap up the week than with myself at WH Park? A man I have not spoken to in quite some time. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. We actually missed uh, a cycle of our post-ProRes uh, schedule. So we're going to catch up on a lot of stuff. We'll talk about uh, Shingo Takagi, the state of New Japan, uh all the dome shows that they have booked from now through September. And we will be going through a Suwama vacating the Triple Crown Championship. The uh, rave reviews for the last stardom card. Lots to discuss with one WH Park. So I'm looking forward to that. That will be out uh, Sunday evening. Did you mention, John, the main event perhaps of the week? Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure on Thursday. I was just about to get to it. They are going back to 2002. SummerSlam. Yeah, a show I remember really well. I really love this show. Yeah. With our own version of Julia Hart, Andrew Thompson, who I believe would have been six years old for this show. Oh, man. That is really the appeal of, like, these retro review shows, like, <laughs> to make me feel how old that I am because... um <laughs> Andrew Julia Lincoln. Hart. Julia Hart was not even one <laughs> for SummerSlam 2002. Oh, God. Shut up. Anyway, uh, they'll be talking about SummerSlam 2002. Of course, this is Brock Lesnar versus The Rock up top. But um, I think, I mean, I, I personally remember it for Triple H and Shawn Michaels for Shawn's return match, which was just a fantastic, fantastic match. So a great era of, of a WWE. Yeah, probably most people's uh, favorite SummerSlam, I would say, from top to bottom. A really outstanding card from the company that year in 2002. So they will be going back. Uh, that's Thursday on the British Wrestling Experience feed. Whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com. And it's getting warm out. You don't want to get sunstroke. You might need some protection for your head. What could you help us out with, Way? How about a hat, John? Boom. Either a snapback hat like I've got right here, or if you prefer, a dad hat recently released, you know, thanks in large part to Martin Bushby, who actually got recognized, or at least uh, the the logo was recognized this weekend when he wore it out to a festival in, in the UK, so... He was at the Download Festival, I believe. That's what it was, okay, so... I think, I think. Somebody, you know, if you're listening out there, if you, if you said, uh, hey, post-wrestling to the guy wearing the hat, that was none other than Martin Bushby. Wow. I wonder if they thought it was you. I doubt it. Maybe, no. I maybe more likely you than me. You never know. I I believe it has happened once where someone came up and asked if I was way. I was very tempted to just go with it. Oh, that would be <laughs> hilarious. Yes, I'm way. I'm way ting. Nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> well, let's see how far that would go. Well, probably not too far. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Uh, I hope Martin had a great time. I hope so too. You think you'll go to a concert in the next uh, 12 months? How about six Ooh. months? How about six months? Yeah, I, I think the answer would be yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I You know, it, this whole experience has made us really think about what we've been taking for granted. And I would say my concert going days were largely over. But um, now I definitely kind of crave, 
you know, a bit of that experience. What about you? I won't lie. Tonight during Raw, all those ads were playing for F9. I was like, God damn. I'm not going to a movie this Friday. 100% I'm not going to a movie this you Friday. You wouldn't be able to. No, I wouldn't be. Uh, we're, it, it's kind of unfair for us Canadians to be, you know, just getting this thrown in our face that this is uh, coming out. Uh, but my my hope is that maybe I can go watch a movie by the end of the summer. That would be a nice goal. That would be a great goal. And I definitely think I, I would do that as well. I feel we're, we're inching closer, but we're still like... For our American listeners, like we're we're you have lapped us, and we're 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 slowly catching up, but we're still far behind. Okay, we're not we're we're not overtaking uh, the U.S. when it comes to the progress that they have made. We're not very fast and furious with our reopening. We are not. We are not. We are we are definitely you know we we've got a bike, um, but we've just upgraded and gotten an electric version. So we're getting there. Got it. We're getting there. The but we're not going to beat anyone. Yeah. Let's talk about some news items, Way. Are you excited? Let's do it. Well, tonight at Raw, before they went live, uh, some interesting matches that went uh, and were taped involving Karrion Cross against Shelton Benjamin and Bronson Reed against Drew Gulak. Uh, they had been there at SmackDown on Friday and then I guess getting another look here. And it appears that these matches uh, were taped for main event and it's more so interesting of what is the what is the end game here with uh, Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed. I would think at the least you have to look at them being on probably a short list of, you know, that they want to get a closer look at and and where they go from here. Going over in both matches. So you did have your your champions in NXT winning here. You know, the the selection of the, the two names is, is what's most interesting because um, if, if they do get called up, it's it's another one of those situations where you have to feel bad for the creative team at NXT. Like, the two people holding the, the two big belts being taken away. Um, yeah, maybe it was just Vince saying, yeah, give me your, your, your champions. <laughs> like, give me the guys holding your belts. Who, um, they'd both be great fits on the main roster, I think. You know, simply due to size. And I think, you know, they've shown enough ability to, like, deliver, like, scripted promo that I think they would do well. Uh, I think certainly you look at Karrion Cross that he seemed, I mean, earmarked to be, it would not be a long stay in NXT. I guess the question now is just how long he remains there uh, in NXT. But are you a little surprised that these were taped for main event, not just, like, um, like a look at them without putting, I mean, they're going over. So it's, I don't know if main event is enough of a priority that, Hey, let's, uh, let's put them on main event. So people will get their eyes on main event. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not a giant deal. I was more so uh, surprised that they did this for the, uh, the show that I don't know how many people are following. Well, that, that's the thing. And number one, it, it kind of tells you, Hey, it's just main event. Who cares? Like, who cares what, like what, you know, what, what impact this might have on our storyline. But um, secondly, maybe it's just maybe they have a limited amount of time of Vince's attention that they're like, you know, Vince is not going to stay for like four hours, three and a half hours even, you know, like we got to fit this all in and we got to tape main event. So let's just put them on main event. Uh, I don't know. I'm speculating. But um, I think this should be what main event should be. Like this should be the tryout for the NXT talent like that might get called up onto the main roster. It would give us some reason to watch that show. Maybe Bronson Reed will become a superhero. Well, 
Um, maybe. To detect the spirit inside of him, why? To bring it out of him. GCW, over the weekend, they ran a show in Wyoming. And uh, this got, like, uh, some uh, attention over the weekend. uh, Because this show that was uh, titled Outlaw Mud Show, uh, the cops arrived at this uh, particular event. And there was a video posted of them, I guess, speaking to people. Uh, So I did inquire with the uh, police department and they did get back to me stating that there was a complaint of around 40 to 50 rowdy people. And once the patrol officers got there, uh, they told me everything seemed calm and the crowd was dispersed. There were no citations or arrests. So it doesn't seem like there was anything uh, significant that came out of this, but I mean, just the image of uh, these police showing up at outlaw mud show, and getting acquainted with uh, Nick Gage and Mance Warner. I, w- I would love to have seen um, that that interaction. And maybe them... What does is, what is the MDK stand for? Um, I, many, many dreams and knowledge. I don't know. I... I mean, I guess rowdy is what you would consider uh, one of Nick Gage's qual- uh, qualities. Sure. So I'm sure he, he'd be amongst the 40 to 50 rowdy people. Um, this is yeah, actually for, for GCW. I mean, they are like trumpeting this fact that the, the cops uh, arrived at their show. Oh, I mean, they're dude, going it's, to it's like the best use thing this. for them. But it sounds like this was not really anything too crazy and, you know, nothing coming out of it. All right. Well, well, I'm glad nobody got arrested. Smackdown. And Dynamite on Friday night. SmackDown ended up doing a very good number. It was interesting because the numbers in the U.S. for both shows uh, did very well, while the numbers in Canada did not, going against the NHL playoffs. So in the U.S., SmackDown was up at 2,040,000 viewers and a uh, .54 in the demo. These numbers coming from uh, Brandon Thurston. So it was their highest since that throwback edition of SmackDown back on May the 7th. Uh, Dynamite did its highest number of overall viewers uh, on Friday nights with 551,000 viewers, 0.20 in the demo. Now in Canada, uh, SmackDown and Dynamite were up against the Montreal Canadiens and Las Vegas Golden Knights game, which did 2,875,000 viewers. So pretty significant audience for game three. SmackDown... So SmackDown did 133,000 viewers. It's way down from last week, but last week was also a very high number. So it's kind of in the middle of what it had done the last couple of weeks. So it wasn't a great number for SmackDown, especially considering the hell in a cell, um, but not, not a dreadful number. Dynamite, on the other hand, fell to 38,000 viewers on Friday night on TSN2. And this is after the prior two weeks doing over 94,000 and 67,000, respectively. So a big drop for Dynamite this past Friday night in Canada. But it's the U.S. numbers that you're going to focus on more heavily. And that was a positive story for both SmackDown and Dynamite, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all kind of a boot point, you know, isn't it? Next week, it really is the story is whether or not they can rebuild what they've uh, had on a Wednesday, how much they can recoup from the the month, pretty much. I, I sorry, not next week, but um, yeah, it is a week Wednesday, this Saturday, a week Wednesday. Yeah, um, I I suppose like you know, the more you kind of look at these numbers, does it tell you? Does it change maybe your opinion about Rampage coming up in August? Do you think that they change anything about their promotional efforts to? 
or expectations for, for what's to come with Rampage? I, I think what we're going to find out very quickly, like that first week of Rampage, you're going to get so much promotion for it. I imagine that first show is going to do very, very well. Um, once you're looking at week four, week five, I think we're going to know very quickly of how much more of an appetite is there for that AEW audience. Um, we, we've seen uh, the statistics in The Observer that, you know, the idea of following SmackDown, what percentage of those viewers watching SmackDown are going to watch Dynamite, it's very low. I think the last number I saw was like 15% of the audience that watches a minute of SmackDown is watching a minute of Dynamite. So it's a very low amount that you would think that wrestling fans would sample Dynamite after. And I don't know if that's going to change in any notable fashion once once Rampage uh, airs. I think a lot of people are going to DVR Rampage and we'll see if it becomes something that's a priority. It's, it's going to be on AEW that makes this a must-see hour. I think it's to their benefit. It's one and not two hours, but it's... It's going to be tough on Fridays. I think that's what you can take from these last four weeks of Dynamite, that it's not a given that you're going to replicate that audience from Wednesdays on Friday night. So I think they're really going to have to build that Friday night block. I would say when you're looking at your big matches, it might take sacrificing some stuff on Dynamite and just really solidify Friday nights as must-see where everything is happening to establish that, that time slot to at least build an audience that is used to watching dynamite on a Friday night, but that's, that's going to be tough. Like it is a younger audience. AEW is catering to it's not the pandemic anymore. And I think people are going to be greatly wanting to be out on Friday nights. So I, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think so too. And I think this experiment has only probably, you know, made them temper their expectations for Fridays. But, um, you know, if it is going to be a largely DVR show, is that going to be part of the strategy? I imagine, you know, in commercial wrestling is still going to be a factor, maybe more in 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 program advertising of some sort. And that's not like like the way the industry is evolving. It's not like DVR numbers are completely worthless at all. It's you're still reaching an audience. It's just looking at that total number. And I think that's that is something to to look at as well to, that if they're getting this gigantic audience that's supplementing the Friday night audience, I mean, that's something. And it ultimately comes down to TNT and next year TBS being happy with the numbers that they're hitting. But I think you have to come out of the bat with some really big stuff on, on those Friday shows, even if it means um, hot shot every or, week. <laughs> yes. Multiple hell in a cells, uh, whatever you have to do. And on that note, the first week of Rampage, what they're going to do is they're going to Pittsburgh and they're going to do a live dynamite on August the 11th on the Wednesday at the Peterson Event Center. And then two nights later, they'll do the live debut of Rampage in the same venue. Uh, this isn't going to be the usual formula because, as Tony Khan has outlined, you know most weeks of Rampage will be taped, but they will be doing occasional live Friday nights. Uh, but for week one... It's interesting that they're going to stay in the same city Wednesday and Friday and, I guess, really try to market two nights uh, of AEW in Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, there's always some curiosity about that first one, but, I mean, trying to do it in the same market to that same audience to come back after, you know, two days uh, is going to be a bit tougher. But I imagine they'll do some combo ticket deal. Yeah, they are. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would imagine there's there's a bit of a cost savings staying staying in in one place over over three nights, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a bit tougher, you know, in a in a market like Pittsburgh to come back 48 hours later. But you know, everything I think will be geared towards that that Friday night and really trying to have to be a good card. And I imagine it will be for that first show. Probably something significant you would think with Britt Baker uh, in Pittsburgh. Mm, um, yeah. This will be. They did run this. This. Uh, this was where one of the first dynamites took place back in October of 2019. So they have run uh, this building in this market in the past. And the last note is regarding Ariel Hawani because on Monday he announced all of his plans post ESPN. There's quite a lot that he has uh, revealed, which will be his next step, including. A return to MMA fighting, where he's going to relaunch the MMA Hour. He's going to be doing it twice a week now, on Monday and Wednesdays. He is also going to be doing a exclusive podcast on Spotify with The Ringer for pre- and post-fight coverage of major MMA cards. Then he's doing a role at BT Sport, which BT Sport is the broadcaster of both UFC and WWE in the UK and Ireland. And what's interesting about that spot is... He's going to be doing MMA coverage as well as boxing and WWE. And this will include uh, long-form sit-down interviews and I'm sure other projects. And then he's launching a Substack, and he's going to be operating his own YouTube channel for non-MMA content. So there's quite a lot here that he is uh, filling up his plate with. Like it's It's pretty significant what he's doing, and I think this is going to be a really interesting... Um, deal that he has carved out for himself to see what works here because in the short term you're certainly looking at him working with a lot of you know significant you know the ringer with bt sport and with vox media through the mma hour but i'll say long term if his Substack and his youtube channel really explode that will be very valuable to what he's arranged for himself here because you know you're talking about someone that has the most recognition name-wise in in the field and you know him having his own personal stuff that is it, that he can grow he will be self self-sustainable and that's yeah. that's going to be kind of I, I would imagine the core but it's really interesting what he's uh, crafted out here and how this um plays out for him but it was interesting to see you know that he's going back to MMA fighting I'm really excited to see how, um, well, I'm excited to hear the announcement. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out for him. He is a, a leader in our industry. And, um, you know, he was somebody who had plenty of options, I'm sure, to go anywhere that he possibly wanted. Stepped away from, you know, for, if the reports were to be believed, even if it was like a, a reduced, you know, ESPN contract, it was still a very lucrative, guaranteed ESPN contract. And um, instead, choosing to go back to, I would say, you know, like, uh, an old familiar uh, employer, and but one that I think the audience really, really loved him being a part of um, in MMA fighting, and now branching off into you know like still keeping a, a big part into established things such as MMA fighting or now BT Sport as well, while also dipping his foot into the entrepreneurial like you know self self employed side of things uh, to set himself up for the future, and I think all of it will be successful. You know, it'll be a It'll be great to see what it all turns into. It's, I, I mean, if if this takes off for him in a significant way, I mean, to me, it's like, 
I, I am surprised that at the end of it, like ESPN um, ultimately did not work out a deal for somebody that was was and would continue to be the authority in the MMA res- reporting space that they are deeply tied uh, with, with UFC coverage and somebody that, I mean, the guy is 38 years old. This is not somebody whose career is winding down anytime soon. Uh, so I, I think that this will be, I think he's carved out like a really great path for himself that he's not putting all his eggs into one basket. If you watch the video that he put out, he really did stress the desire to be independent and unfiltered. And I think you can read between the lines there of, you know, with ESPN and how close they are attached with the UFC that he wanted to be outside of that space. So, I mean, he's working with enough different outlets here that he is not going to be reliant on any one place. If one thing falls through, he's got more than enough. And I think, again, I go to like the Substack and the YouTube are very significant to this because he builds that nucleus. It's like that is his his home base at the end of all of this. And once you're self-sustainable, you have a lot of freedom and you can make a lot of decisions and you can walk away from things when they're no longer suiting you. I mean, he, he, he at this point, I think, you know, can build his own network, build his own net, net website of like, you know, journalists and, and coverage if he really wanted to. Um, but, you know, it'll take like maybe baby steps to do it. But it's... um. You know, I think it, there are so many advantages, of course, to being attached to like a bigger network and, of course, being attached to ESPN. But I think for somebody like him, especially at his age, you know, being as um, ingrained with like social media as he is, uh, I, to me, the future is like, you know, doing it on your own, like in, in, in with with his own platforms. All right, all of your news you can find up at postwrestling.com. A lot of stuff went up on the site today, so you can go check that out, along with our Hell in a Cell post show going through all of Sunday night's pay-per-view card. Uh, You can check that out as we are live after every pay-per-view for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons. And we will be live, well, at least on Saturday this week. And the next week, we return to our normal schedule where we will be live Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night. Back Mm -hmm. to normal. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. Are you looking forward to Raw? Were you looking forward to Raw as the clock turned to 8 o'clock Eastern? Well, um, I don't know if looking forward would, would be the right word. Um, I just, I just I, at this point, I can always count on something crazy to come out of the three hours, and we were not disappointed tonight. We had a lot to talk about on this show. This is hardly a a dull episode of Raw. But that can take you in many different directions. So it is money in the bank season. And the props department were very busy because not only do we have our two briefcases hanging from the ceiling, we've also got the old hell in a cell just up there attached to the roof because they couldn't get around to it last night. Dude, money in a bank in a cell? Hell in a money in many money hell money in a hell bank in a cell. <laughs> I don't know. There's definitely a play on words with the money and the sell portion. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, we're, you know, are we going to get to the point now where we're mixing our stipulations, you know, like Survivor, Rumble, uh, King of the, I don't know, uh, (laughs) what what else have they got? Uh, We got to have the the sign, point two, with a briefcase inside of a cell. Sure. Like, let's just combine them all. Yeah, brilliant. 
Bobby Lashley and MVP come out with Lashley's ladies, none of whom have names. They go over the match with Drew McIntyre, and they don't think that Drew will ever be the same. And they're about to have a toast with the champagne when the New Day comes out with actual toast that they start throwing at MVP and Lashley. This -hmm. is the makings of our next championship program. MVP calls them clowns. I mean, it was, it was done for a point, right? It was, it was done to show that, yeah, these guys are, they wasted a lot of food. They love wasting food, these guys. And they wasted a lot of time or somebody else's time into toasting all these pieces of bread. What would have happened, like if this were a real scene way, and MVP had said, let's all pour a glass and say cheers. And here you've made all this toast and you come out. You'd look mm-hmm. like a fool. Like, why Why toast? I'm sure how did they. A... How were they so simpatico with MVP? Well, I'm sure they had a backup table of Cheers DVDs every season. Yeah, was George Went going to come out with them? And and maybe he would know all the ladies' names. Oh, all right. Nice. Kofi says he's going to win the title from Bobby Lashley. He made fun of MVP crying at the bar when he beat Daniel Bryan and then points out that he beat Bobby Lashley. Now, please raise your hand if you remember this. It only happened a few weeks ago. But yes, they showed the video of Kofi rolling up Lashley. They did not show Drew hitting him with a cane that led to this finish, but they did point this out and was edited out by Kofi Kingston. Yeah, I know. A bit this was some, some like underhanded tactics here by I, Kofi I, Kingston. I thought Bobby Lashley made a great point. So Lashley is challenged for money in the bank by Kofi, and he just accepts just like that. I mean, it wasn't like Lashley was pissed off that Kofi did that. You know, that's why he was like, this guy thinks he actually beat me legitimately. I'm just going to take the match. All these other fools on this show, they're going to kill themselves tonight just to try and get into a match where you're going to have to kill yourself to get a briefcase, to get the chance, to get the title match. You could just ask for it. Well, realistically, Kofi, I think, would have been the contender anyway, right? Even though, I guess, didn't he lose like a call, like a contender's match? Yeah, he was in the, he he lost the match with uh, with Drew. Well, whatever. He He probably would still be a number two contender. Sure. But then Lashley suggests facing Xavier Woods tonight. And Woods comes back and says that MVP and Lashley have the old school mentality. Having toxic testosterone filled meatheads without the mental acuity to perceive a renaissance man like Woods. Which is what I was thinking as well. He noted his 2 million plus YouTube subs, work on G4, and the tag titles he's won. So... He accepts a match with Lashley, but it will be inside hell in a cell, which again, these guys from the toast to the cell placement, everything was in alignment for the new day to have a big night here. (laughs) And everything worked out to perfection until the hell in a cell match took place. Well, in my mind, I I think Woods just came out here. Okay. And I'm talking in character and story. Woods came out here with the toast thing. He was going to do something funny. And then he gets challenged to a match. He looks up. Cell still didn't up take there. it down, Kofi. Didn't take it down. <laughs> this is my chance. You know, Woods is not going to get a singles Hell in a Cell match ever in his career. 
this is his only chance. He was like, and let's make it for the cell. And they, they accepted it. And in, in reality, it's just whatever. The thing is already up there. They're in the same building. Drop it down, and hopefully you'll add a point or two into the ratings. You know, The gimmick is about as dead as it's going to be. And it helped I, the SmackDown number, but I think that was also a much more intriguing match that, that you had. Um, but we'll see. Maybe Maybe this one will work on two and a half hours notice. They should just have the cell ready at all times, ready to drop down. First but. time on Raw in 23 years, a Hell in a Cell match. Do you remember the last one? It was, uh, I want to say, it was involving Kane and Mankind. Yeah, I think, I think that was it. Yeah, I, I thought this was a really good segment, you know? Like like most New Day segments, I, I, there feels like an element of improv, improvisation and organic rapport that doesn't really exist on a lot of Raw segments, and I thought Lashley MVP had it with the New Day here. MVP sounds great under really any circumstance, but I thought this was like some of the most natural dialogue that I've heard from Lashley during this title run. Um, you know, it's not at the point where I want to see him disassociated with MVP, but Lashley is like showing that he's not just a Brock Lesnar. He could speak for himself to flesh out his own character and his own storylines when he needs to. And I thought they got to the challenge in a pretty believable way. So this might have been a record for Raw because about an hour or so before the show, they announced five qualifying matches for Money in the Bank. And after this first segment... We had every match announced for tonight's show. Yeah. We didn't have one impromptu match tonight. And we didn't have one match changed in the middle of the show. No, no impromptu six-man from a singles match that it's turned into. Nothing. Everything was planned out with like 90 minutes notice before the show started, save for the Hell in a Cell that they established in segment one. So the qualifying matches began with AJ Styles against Ricochet. But first... Styles and Omos are in the back from earlier in the day with the Viking Raiders, who AJ calls less than zero. You're nothing. They're actually a deficit, technically. And Ivar's eating his turkey leg. AJ calls them stinking barbarians and then knocks the leg to the ground, which would end up costing him dearly by knocking this meat to the ground. Turkey leg... I don't think it's, that's not cheap meat. These are big turkey legs. It's got to be at least like, I don't know, $5 a pound, probably. This was an awful segment backstage. I mean, just like no, no life at all that these four have to, to show to make this feel at all like they have oh, any, any care in this imaginary feud they're having. No, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, have you, can you name one good Viking Raiders backstage segment? Um, when Eric did Raw Underground. I don't think that, well, that was actually probably, yeah, he actually looked pretty good, but that doesn't really count. It was backstage, kind of. I can name you plenty of bad Viking Raiders segments, though. Ricochet did an inset promo. He has competed for the WWE title. (laughs) So I know how far of a fall it is after you fail. (laughs) But I am a rarity, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I thought the uh, Imagine Dragons was going to pop up on the the screen and play him to the ring. So Ricochet has failed so spectacularly that he knows what it feels like to be a failure. Pretty much, yeah. The guy's on like 205 Live now. You know, he went from fighting Brock Lesnar to 205 Live. That's... That's a pretty bad fall. 
way. He's already won. True. You're right. Yeah, Not he's even a champion. supposed to be here. He's a champion of participation. So they didn't even have enough time here to really have um, you know, a higher end of even an AJ Styles Ricochet Raw match with a commercial break in between it, but that's what they had here. Uh, the calf crusher was broken with the rope, and then an Ushigoroshi by AJ sets up for the phenomenal forearm, but the Viking Raiders run down and go after Omos, who ends up charging, missing the Viking Raiders, and crashing through the barricade um, to his, like, eternal damnation. We never saw him, like, even recover from this. He just went through this barricade, and I don't know what happened to him. So AJ is distracted by all of this goes for the phenomenal forearm and is caught with the recoil in midair and Ricochet kicks off the night of upsets, pinning AJ Styles and Ricochet qualifies for the money in the bank ladder match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the last time we saw this match, uh, it's a good match for raw standards, but you know, you, you see these two and you think about the potential that they could have in a different setting. Um, but you know, on Raw as a background for a bigger story, yeah, I thought it was good. Tells you that they still see enough value in a Ricochet at least to think that he would be a worthy addition to a Money in the Bank match. Not for a second do I think anybody thinks of him as an actual contender, but he'll be a lot of fun to watch in the latter match. And of course, it puts Adrian almost on their uh, tag team course with the Viking Raiders. Yes, yes, I hope they can just uh, let that one breathe. Yeah. Hang up a turkey leg for the next four weeks on Raw to lead mm. to Money in the Bank. Yeah, they can. Yeah, a lot of turkey legs. Sure. Randy Orton, a clean-shaven Randy Orton. He got rid of the uh, like the goatee look. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Gone. Yeah. Disappointed? I mean, it was a different look for him. I guess he just got sick of it. Maybe he's turning heel. That's why. Okay. I don't know. Riddle shows up with the new RK Bro merchandise. They now have a coffee mug. And he starts talking about Burger King. Doesn't trust Burger King. Orton tells him, stay out of my way when asked for pointers if they are both qualified for money in the bank. And Riddle is going to hide his stash of Whoppers if he gets the briefcase. I mean, it's it's the level of comedy you've you've kind of come to expect from these two. And if you love it, you love it. If you hate it, you hate it. Um, tonight, I, I thought it was cute. I actually really appreciate Orton's acting in the segment. You know, like when we talk about his in-ring style, he's somebody who definitely like works with the pauses in between the action. And that seems to extend to his promo and backstage segments as well, because I think his ability to like play with silence in between the dialogue was really good here. And he and Riddle, I thought, continued to, you know, keep up their the appeal of their chemistry. Teasing a little bit of tension now, heading into Money in the Bank. Kevin Patrick spoke with Eva Marie and her... They had actually, like, a wording for this in the, in the Raw preview. Um, the unnamed... Mis- mysterious friend? It was... Uh, I-, I can pull it up, but I'm well, not that curious. Did it have alliteration attached to it? There was no alliteration, so it might have even just been... I'll pull it up here. Let's get the actual uh, description here that they used on the website. It was... uh, Piper Niven was identified as her dominant cohort. Dominant cohort, okay. Dominant cohort. Better name. So Eva Marie calls Kevin Kyle, 
and explained that she got her nails done last week and then caught a cold so she couldn't wrestle. Yeah, no, she shouldn't even be in the building. I mean, she, like, these are symptoms. She wore a mask, at least. At the very least. What'd she learn from this last year? So her protege stepped in, and she goes to deliver her name, and Piper is about to say what her name is, but Eva stops and names her Dewdrop, and Piper does not look satisfied with this name. She was actually mouthing the word Piper repeatedly, so that, in reality, is still her name, but Eva Marie has dubbed her on raw Dewdrop, D-O-U-D-R-O-P. Yes. Yes. Yeah, thoughts on the name? Um, any any name you come up with in WWE, there should be a rule that you run it through Urban Dictionary first. Okay, and does this one pass? I'm, search at your own discretion. Asuka and Naomi took on Eva Marie and Dewdrop. Naomi and Asuka what, did a promo what, before. How do you spell the Dewdrop from Urban it may oh. be D-E-W, although that's not how WWE is spelling the name. Okay. Interesting. Naomi yeah. is caught off guard with Eva's protege last week and said even after the loss, they can't dim the glow. So we had a quick match. Okay, sorry. <laughs> when you said, like, Spark and glow. I, I I thought we were already onto the Nikki Cross thing. I'm like, are we already there? No, we're still on. Uh, we're, we're still on the tag match. So Eva will not tag in. She's on the floor. So we've got Dewdrop working with Oscar. They better they better get through this this name phase very quick because I can't do these recaps identifying <laughs> Dewdrop. She hits an avalanche cannonball and then gets onto the middle rope when Eva tags herself in to go for the pin. Naomi kicks out, and then Dewdrop is on the floor, avoiding the tag, so Eva gets rolled up as she's dealing with Dewdrop, and Naomi pins her in 2.52. So this is record time that we're already doing the tease of the breakup between the two on week two. So that is record setting, that they are going to dissension between them. For her sake, I I hope this wraps up next week, man. Are you kidding me? Like... The the quicker you can get through the storyline and just settle into a spot on the main roster, the better. Because um, it's a very outdated type of gimmick of, you know, I guess the protege standing up for herself against the, you know, egomaniacal um, role model type. But, you know, the head writer is, is a 70-year-old man, and this is how he knows how to get people over. Um you know, story and terrible name aside, I think it's nice to see like a fresh, high-level veteran Piper Niven get involved in the mix with people like Asuka. And so, once the story is over, once she settles into the system, I hope it means some strong singles matches with her and some of the rest of the roster. You seem very optimistic that this act is going to be designed to get Piper Niven over instead of Eva Marie. She is the one wrestling, okay, and um. You know, at least tonight, she came out of it looking like... Who who got two months of vignettes? Well, I mean, that was all the swerve, I think. You know? Like, you're supposed to think about Eva Marie, but ultimately, it's... uh, The the goal is to have both of them get over, right? But I also don't think Piper Niven's just here to be forgotten about. 
I don't think so either, but I think that to do this story, you have to tell the story first, that this woman is being abused by Eva Marie, is being used by Eva Marie. They haven't even bought, like, we haven't even done chapter one, and we're doing the breakup. Well, chapter like, one how, was like, how can I get, how can I be rooting for Piper Niven when it's like, I've, I've not even saw, seen the start of this. I saw her come out and win last week, and now we're doing a breakup? I have no feelings, because I don't know what's going on here. You want to cheer for her because her name is Dewdrop, and you know that she is named Dewdrop not because of her own choosing. You do, you want to cheer for her because she is put in a storyline with Eva Marie, and you want to cheer for her because hopefully you enjoy her in-ring wrestling. Well, I've wanted Dolph Ziggler to change his name since 2009, and I'm still waiting for that. I felt awful that this guy was given that name. Well, that, that one's a bit of a lost cause. Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville bring out Rhea Ripley. They explain, we're going to try and make sense of this character for you all. They call her actions last night unacceptable. Her response was, what are you talking about? She got herself intentionally disqualified. That's the story. And Rhea defended herself, saying she's tired of seeing Charlotte Flair break the rules. I only did what she would have done, which makes no goddamn sense in a championship match that Charlotte would have disqualified herself. I guess she's saying if Charlotte was the champion, she would have gotten herself DQ'd to get out of the match. Okay. Um, so Flair walks I mean, out. either way, it's terrible, like, logic for anybody, you know, much less the champion. And and this, again, even though I, I would say, like, Rhea wrestled the match last night as a babyface... Um, She's clearly not a baby face. Dude, I, I don't know what is going on here. I have no I have no attachment to this this angle, the story, these characters. Flair walks out. She says she is not upset. She's proud of Ripley for being clever and just as strategic as me. But I will destroy you. So Sonya Deville announces a rematch at Money in the Bank. So we are going to get four more weeks of build-up for this. They didn't even throw in a stipulation here. Like, isn't the obvious that it's no holds barred, it's no disqualification. Maybe that will come, but that seemed obvious that to make this rematch, we have to curb what happened last night. Completely. It makes last night's finish completely unjustifiable. You know, you 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 ran the experiment last night, it completely failed. And now we're just going to redo it, do it again with no other change. We're going to we're going to get a nail gun and we're going to lock. We're going to latch the panel onto the desk so you cannot rip it off. <laughs> the key is the panel. <laughs> the commentary will be done remotely. There will be no desk at ringside. <laughs> That's the stipulation. Yeah, we're going to get the desk out of there. Dude, um, I don't know how they can squeeze four weeks out of these two. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, we you know, we need another Nikki Cross to beat them both. Every single Nikki's week. busy. Nikki's got other things. Yeah. Nikki is well ahead of these two in the pecking order, in my opinion. No, the story is just a mess. You know, besides, I, I would say just the the terrible finish to the match, the whole Nikki Cross thing. The the bare bones of it is that is that you have t- you have Charlotte who is a heel, and you have Rhea Ripley who is your current champion, who is trying not to a baby get out of. Matches with Charlotte after she came in as like the kick-ass babyface. Think about what you've done with her. Okay, you've had her uh, enter a beat the clock challenge where she forgets the 
She begins to look at the clock and loses to Nikki Cross. All right. And then, like, she gets herself DQ'd to ed- exit a match at a pay per view. And, like, week after week, she just, like, you know, whines and complains. It's, um, it's a whole different person from what we saw at NXT, even f- different from what we saw at WrestleMania a year ago. And it's the same two people having this match. So I, I'm just completely flabbergasted at, at what, how this feud continues to unfold. It's, it's really bad. I'd rather be Nikki Cross right now than these two. <sighs> we got a reminder of why Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are now heels uh, with a recap of last week's photo shoot. So literally the tables have turned because... Now, Tamina and Natalia are doing their own photo shoot and being interviewed when they hear a noise in the background. And who's working out in the practice ring but Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke? So Natalia and Tamina ask them, can you guys take a break? Part of being champions is doing media. Rose and Brooke are... (laughs) It's brought to their attention by Natalia that... (laughs) I beat you last night and Rose and Brooke shrug their shoulders and say, so, and challenge <laughs> them on the spot. So, so what if, what if Drew McIntyre was told you don't get a shot at Lashley anymore because you lost last night. So, all right, fine. So Mandy and Dana welcome them into the ring. And as they climb the apron, get kicked to the floor And then Mandy channels her inner Kevin Nash and yells, how's that for working smart? (laughs) There are some epic, epic ideas that are being greenlit for matchup scenarios. And we got them all tonight. How's that for working smart? We didn't let you into the practice ring. You know, in in terms of... um... I guess production budget. I think we could tell where Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke versus Natty and Tamina ranks um, because some some feuds get hell in, hell's in a cell. Some feuds get black goop. Uh, some feuds at least get the benefit of taking place in the arena. These four get the training ring and the photo shoot area to tell their entire story, and it's just it's awful. Dialogue is awful. Delivery is awful. Um, <laughs> It's just not that great. You know what this reminded me of with Natalia and Tamina not able to get into the ring? It took me back to the reverse battle royal. Oh, that should be the match. Could be. They start on the floor, and who can get into the ring first? That's working smart. And then the match begins. Mm Mm-hmm. They showed us shots of Drew McIntyre's back, and then Corey Graves says that Lashley having another Hell in a Cell match tonight might be the most inadvisable decision of his career. He made, he has had way worse nights of his career. Yeah. I think he's doing just fine. Randy Orton and John Morrison. I looked this up and to my knowledge, this is the first time these two have had a singles match together, which is wild when you think about it. They had a triple threat in August of 2010 with Ted DiBiase Jr. They've been in matches together, but not a singles match that I could find. That's amazing. That is Wild when you think about it. The Miz is out in his wheelchair on commentary. Huge part of this. Uh, Morrison would work on Randy's shoulder. So they brought up all of Orton's shoulder issues. They go through the break. And then 
dude, I thought my computer fucked up again because all of a sudden the video's running and I've got Vin Diesel talking over it. I'm like, I closed my other windows. It's raw. And they piped in an F9 promo over the match. This is the most intrusive ad I have ever been subjected to outside of a website just like freezing my thing with like a pop-up. I, I think this has happened before where I think in the USA feed, they probably actually get the picture-in-picture picture commercial. But in Canada, we just hear the audio, so it just kind of comes out This of was not picture-in-picture. Picture. This was audio on picture. Yeah. Oh, these ad- this better not be like the new trend of ads. Just, we're just going to put the audio over top. It was very jarring for 30 seconds. I mean, it's, you know, it's their, their, their bigger market is the U.S. and everybody else just has to check their browsers to make sure they're closed. Orton is sent shoulder first into the post. And then Morrison is working on a Kimura. Uh, this was all playing to Jimmy Smith's specialty. Then Orton hit a draping DDT. He signals for the RKO when Miz shoots him with the drip stick. He shoots the man with a water gun. Riddle comes down on the scooter, chasing the Miz. This was Three Stooges level comedy. This is when they should have aired the F9 trailer. You know, this car, this thrilling car chase between the man in the scooter and the man in the wheelchair. They, they picked the wrong spot. Orton then gets snapped on the top rope and hit with Starship Pain as Riddle is chasing the man in the wheelchair. And Morrison pins Orton in 1241 as they yell, another upset. Well, I actually enjoyed like watching Morrison here. I thought it, the match showed his versatility. I thought his groundwork looked pretty good. He was changing up his style. And I, I thought Jimmy Smith sounded good. You know, allowed him to shine on commentary. And, and, you know, what's your assessment about Jimmy Smith thus far, three weeks in? I think he's fine. I mean, I'm not going to just, um, you know, bell curve him because he's fine. Like, that. that's where I'm at. Like, he's not an intrusive voice. I think in time, he's going to... He's going to get better. He sounds he sounds very relaxed. He seems like he does his research. There's there's a catch-up point. But I, I think like he's like he's good. He's not a detriment to the broadcast. I also don't think he's, you know, a spectacular pro wrestling play-by-play announcer in his fourth week. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, for somebody with that level of experience, I think he's taking to it really well. Uh, he comes across very enthusiastic. I think that helps a lot, and that I'm kind inter- of yeah, I'm interested to see how he develops and where he where he goes. But um, you know, if, who knows like what they look for in these commentators? Because like, is he necessarily better than a Tom Phillips? Not really. Um, so what benefits are they getting from him? I'm not entirely sure, but nonetheless, they wanted to change, and I think at least we can say that he. Jimmy Smith, I think, for his level of experience, is doing a good job. And I think, yeah, like I'm, I think he's going to be here for for some time. Like it seems like they, like there's no reason not to be satisfied with with the performance. Like it's it seems to be met with like I think fairly you know positive reaction. Only one reaction matters. That's and true. I I don't know if we could predict that one. Kevin Patrick spoke with Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, and. They talked about last night. Baszler isn't scared by anyone in the locker room, and nothing, nothing will stop us from qualifying. Jack says there's something different about Alexa Bliss. Yes, her theme song. 
there was something different, and she came out to this new theme. Oh, didn't realize. It's good. We then go to a close-up shot of Nikki Cross, who is um, looked like she had just uh, spray-painted the mask from the Hamburglar and wants to display physically to the fans what she feels inside, this spark. And we zoom out to see Nikki Cross getting all set for Halloween and said, this embodies what we all have inside of us, our spirit. And she is dressed up as an adult in a superhero outfit. And according to Killian Dane, her husband, he wrote, she had an idea and saw it brought to life. Very excited to see what's next. So that would indicate that this was was her pitch, and she is now a superhero that we are living vicariously through her spirit. Yeah, man, they really broke the budget, I think, for this. Did they, you think they called the MCU people to de- design this outfit? Um, th- this was not exactly, um, you know, Tony Stark's uh, backup gear. I will say this, okay? There is a realization point you have when you're on this show, okay? You might have dreams of being a Trish Stratus level, you know, figure. There's also the stability in finding a character like this that will get you plenty of TV time. You're going to be in a safe spot. You're never going to be a main eventer with this gimmick, but you're also never going to be... uh completely discarded like we have nothing to do with you this carves you into a spot where it's it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea but it's something goofy and goofy sometimes works sometimes there's a short shelf life to it her goal is to hopefully make this thing last for as long as it can your goal if you're an employee of the wwe is to please vince mcmahon and come up with ideas that he would be interested in and evidently, this was one of those ideas. Um, I think maybe we could see a bit clearer, clearer now that this was perhaps the reason why she beat Rhea and Charlotte to set her up for this, to give her the false confidence that she can somehow be this superhero based off of those very cheap wins off, off of those two. Um, I get the sense that she's, you know, very much doing it as the hurricane, you know, like somebody who is delusional, who thinks that she is a superhero when in fact she's just you know a pretty average wrestler um the way they introduced her with this close-up promo was certainly god it was um it was laughably like bad but you know we have to see how the gimmick is what the intent is if if the if the goal is to be laughably bad bad i mean you know, it could turn out either way she could be the next hurricane or she could be the next arachnaman so either way i have to say it was captivating. I don't know if it was all for, for the right reasons, but I was captivated. Uh, I don't know if I was captivated. I think I think her best bet, aim for some merchandise and an action figure. That's what you should be shooting for. Oh, that would be great, yeah. I mean, Helms is like still using that gimmick today. Like, you know, look how far it's taken him. So our tag match is Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross back together 
No explanation. Just they're teaming together to get into the Money in the Bank ladder match. They're both a little off now. That's what bonds them. Against Nia and Shayna Baszler. So Nikki hits a hot... Let me just say, it's quite the task to like overshadow Alexa Bliss and her current character in terms of (laughs) just craziness. But um, like Alexa was not the strangest thing in this match. No, she was almost kind of... Secondary Normal. in this match. Yeah. Because um, Nikki did get the focus. She hit a big high cross to Jax, Baszler, and Reginald to set up the commercial. Afterwards, Bliss comes in and she hits a code red out of the corner, does her alligator walk, and tags cross. Baszler almost runs into Nia by mistake, and Nia gets so mad she goes to the floor. Bliss then puts Reginald into the trance, lifts up his hand, but then pulls up before he slaps Nia. And then they hug and embrace. Cross drop kicks them down, but then Cross hits Baszler using the Mahistral Cradle to pin her in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. So Cross and Bliss advance to Money in the Bank. You know, at this point, when you've already introduced mind control and like um, terrorizing dolls into a feud, I, I guess like a superhero fits right in. And I just kind of like you just have to let yourself go and just surrender yourself to watching this stuff. Like it's like it's the clusterfuck, like it's a DDT match, like it's like like the invisible stain, invisible man type of thing. And you know, it's just it's kind of mindless, silly hilarity. If you're watching this, like expecting stardom, um, <laughs> this was not uh, this was not that. But um, that's what you know, I was expecting. Yeah, I mean. You know, if you're, but even if you're expecting camp, I mean, to some people, this would be pretty offensive in that department as well. But I'll say after after tonight's uh, match, uh, we've got the four Raw women that are in the match, and we don't know obviously the SmackDown performers. I think there's like a decent probability of Nikki or Alexa winning this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they're putting a lot of weight behind it. Um, I, I like see ahead of Morso. like Naomi and Oscar are not winning this. Yeah. So. Oh, well, they need their own ridiculous off-the-wall gimmicks now. That's true. That's true. Naomi, Naomi's too grounded for this company. She should be like, um, like sort of like the electricity super. Yeah, guy. like glowing, like stuff yeah. coming out of her hands, her mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Drew McIntyre is in the back, and he speaks with Pearson DeVille. He went through a war and quotes Winston Churchill. And will never surrender. He's going through hell right now, so he might as well keep going. I think that's a WCW quote from 2000. And the, like, man, like, so they had Drew come out of this like excellent war last night with some legitimate battle scars, which I mean, they did show off. But then, like, they keep wanting to revert back to this history teacher Drew McIntyre thing he's been trying to work in, and I don't get it at all. Like this wins, like it just feels so forced, you know. And rather than feeling, I'm waiting like for that, that NBC. The more you know, to just slide across the screen right after. Yeah, like rather than feeling like the hero of the show, he feels kind of more like the weird shirtless guy you see working out in the park, like just screaming about something from like the past that no one else would care about. So I just don't get this element to Drew McIntyre at all. Dude just sliced a table in half with a claymore. That's the park bench. 
So, oh, the best segment of the night. Pierce and DeVille, who are just all over the show. They run into Jinder Mahal, Shanky, Rinku Singh, Cedric Alexander, Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus. And they're all pissed. They said, who booked Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed taking up our main event spots? We got nothing to do tonight. <laughs> Cedric Alexander complains. Call, all of these people are pissed because they're not even in the qualifying matches for Money in the Bank. That's how far they've fallen. Jeff Hardy, the latter specialist, is not even, he's not even at the level of, of Ricochet anymore. That's where he's no. fallen. Well, you should have Se- won last week. I guess so. He only won one match. He should have won both. Cedric calls them antiques from the past, whereas he is the youthful member of this discarded group of raw talent. Hardy responds, Cedric, are you forgetting about my victories over you the last few weeks? Maybe you should stop future tripping and worry more about the current beatings here in the present from this antique. Dominic, you had a great run, but I'm moving over to Raw because Jeff Hardy has good. reclaimed the throne. Oh, yeah. Cedric, That's are you forgetting about my victories over you? Future tripping. Dude, like Jeff Hardy is just what a. How has he found himself in here? I mean, he's past a certain age. You know, he's an old toy in a sandbox. He's of an antique. New toys. An antique, yes. DeVille says all the qualifying matches are final. Sheamus uh, got to call them gobshites on television, and he should automatically be in a match because he's the U.S. champion. This This man made great sense. Yeah. This man should not be below Ricochet. This man should not be below John Morrison. Yeah, it's true. Well, he hasn't been defending all that much. They did make it clear his nose was broken. So oh, there is yeah. a health reason for him not being in this. Um, and then when he was asked about his nose, uh, he goes to check on it from a doctor. Jinder uh, got through this promo, summarizing it by stating, uh, if he can be an alternate in case someone gets hurt. They did not give him an answer, and by the end of the night, no one got injured, so this was a moot point. The idea is that somebody in the future will get injured, perhaps at the hands of Jinder and his associates, and that'll set Jinder up to replace them. My my guess is it'll probably be Ricochet. Dude, this was an unbelievable segment of, I would say with the exception of Sheamus, who's got the injury, you would not want to be within 100 feet of this segment. If you are a performer, if you're a performer, this segment is your labeling by this company of where they have slotted you. Yeah. I mean, that was evident to begin with. I, I don't even think we saw gender last week and gender uh, came back with these two and they've gone nowhere with it since. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of the raw low one, low undercard, low mid card, but I would still probably rather be these guys in the 24 seven division, which I think it feels like it's done. It's uh, it's on hiatus, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Riddle and Drew McIntyre is our qualifying match. Uh, Drew, they are explaining, is uh, is barely conscious because of the beating he took last night. And 
Corey Graves is the first one to ask the question, what happens if Drew wins the briefcase? He can't challenge Bobby Lashley. This is a very relevant question. Byron Saxton's answer was that, well, he's got a whole year, so he can wait for Lashley to lose, or our top babyface can go to SmackDown. Yeah. That's, that's been a, established. Well, that that's a great decision uh, to make on Raw's behalf. Yeah, so I that, don't know. That, is, that I mean... is what is at stake here. So these two had a pretty great match. They went almost 23 minutes. Um, they fought on the turnbuckle. Drew fell down into the Tree of Woe and empowered up with a German suplex. Uh, Riddle played to Drew's strengths very effectively. And then... As they got set for the second commercial break, Randy Orton comes out and Riddle is just ecstatic. This was like uh, dad showing up at the championship softball game. And Riddle is just blown away that he's here to watch. He hits the final flash onto Drew, but then Drew hits him with the Michinoku driver. The Drew drop. And then gets caught with a triangle. Is that Matt- the other Eva Marie partner? Um, could be, yes. Drew. Uh, Riddle gets slammed out of that. Uh, the future shock is hit and then Riddle collapses as Drew is getting set for the Claymore. They continue fighting. Riddle misses a floating bro. And then Drew goes for the Claymore again and is caught in the bro mission. He gets to his feet and Riddle transitions and uses a victory roll. 22 minutes and 49 seconds catching McIntyre, continuing the string of upsets. And then Riddle rides the scooter up to Orton puts out his fist and Orton is not looking happy. And Riddle tells him what's wrong. Just talk to me. I'm always here for you, bro. So Riddle mm-hmm. is qualified. Orton has not, but a pretty great match between these two. I thought the match was great. You know, really fantastic selling from drew throughout the entire thing, doing a great job conveying the pain of every move, whether he was being attacked or doing the attacking I think it was a finish that necessitated him doing a great job with the selling in order to protect himself in a clean loss to Matt Riddle. Um, I think Riddle's strength is his offensive sequences, and I thought he played a great partner to Drew here. These two have pretty good chemistry. Um, It was pretty bold, I would say, you know, having Drew McIntyre lose in, in, in a fashion like this. But I thought it was effective in, you know, again, conveying Drew's damage while also furthering the descent between Orton and Riddle. Yeah, I, I kind of like that they shook things up and went with some unpredictable endings to the matches. And on top of it, you did some, I'll say relatively clean finishes. Like you got one here, um, AJ and Ricochet, not as much. Uh, Morrison, if you want to include a, a squirt gun, which I don't know how much uh, credence you give that one, but they tried to really emphasize the... Uh, this was the, the underdog of them all. going over. This, this was this was completely clean. Yeah, and it was Drew McIntyre. Well, I mean, he had the injuries, but you know, like no shenanigans outside of that. Like it was the most pro wrestling, like pure finish, and kind of sending Drew into this like losing streak almost mm-hmm. uh, after this dominant run. Now, with all that said, <laughs> this was just the uh, the salt in the wound for the uh, the backstage main event crew. Next week, it will be Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and uh, AJ Styles in a last chance triple threat qualifying match. Oh, I hate that shit. Yeah. So one of them will get into the match. 
don't like that. Which I, I imagine, um, I can see it being Orton. Orton would make the most sense. Oh, it could be any of them. I, come on, you just lost. I don't want, there should be no second chances. I don't think Drew's, uh, well, I guess you could put Drew in the match. I guess that's an option. He doesn't have a clear cut next uh, program, but they could just keep the, uh, I almost got the sense they might do a gender because gender said some words about Drew in his promo. That's right. You could have gender get into this three way attacking one of them and then they're injured. They did have that line at the end uh, as the alternate. So you can yeah. get gender involved. We got a huge recap of Elias and Jackson Riker. And then what a segment this was. Jackson Riker is just in the back snapping a leather strap. As Mansoor comes up, and of all people, it's Jackson Riker. He wants to pick his brain and ask some advice. Riker does not respond. He goes to leave, and then Riker pipes up. Never let your enemy escape. Often, those close to you are wolves in sheep's clothing. And next week, he will face Elias in a strat match. Mansoor just responds, makes perfect sense. Thanks, man. <laughs> I like Mansoor. I think he's got like a real good delivery about him. And oh, this yeah. is actually kind of funny him playing off like this goofball Jackson Riker. I like the use of Mansoor as sort of like the viewer's avatar. You know, he, he plays like sort of a, I think he would be a good Jim Halpert type to make just a face to point out the ridiculousness of a pro wrestling backstage area. So it's it was cool. Ali is right there and tells Mansoor he's asking the wrong questions and asking the wrong people. Those in the qualifying matches stole those spots from us. And if they won't even let you climb the ladder of success, you have to build your own ladder to climb. And our final shot is Riker whipping himself with this strap. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that Hell in a Cell got two hours notice, but we're, we've got a week to prepare for the strat match to let everyone be aware. Well, um, all right. Big match. And then we go to the Hell in a Cell match between Bobby Lashley and Xavier Woods. Kingston and MVP are outside of the cell. We got a chair involved. Then Woods gets trapped in the ring skirt. Bobby's attacking him while Kofi scolds him, yelling, You're supposed to be almighty. You're supposed to be almighty. We come back from uh, the break. Of course, the kendo stick finds its way into the ring. MVP is telling Bobby to treat him like a court jester. And Byron Saxton asks if this is where the proverbial band-aid gets ripped off of Bobby Lashley. I bring this up because we didn't have a proverbial Band-Aid to rip off. We had a literal Band-Aid on Bobby Lashley's uh, shoulder, and it was peeling off. And there was this nasty wound underneath. The timing could not have been better. Mm. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Uh, Woods got his big sequence of spots, including a flying elbow drop, putting Lashley through a table for a two count. He then, uh, Lashley sends him into a chair in the corner, hits the spear and submits him with the hurt lock in 13 minutes and 40 seconds. MVP, who once again finds himself inside of the cell, locking Kofi out, 
uh, allows Lashley to continue to beat on Woods, put him in the hurt lock right in front of Kofi, who can do nothing from outside of the cell. And that's how we go off the air as we are going in the direction of Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston for Money in the Bank. And so concluded a very busy edition of Raw. Mm-hmm. I thought this made, you know, my expectations are a bit lower for TV cell matches than pay-per-view. And so I was entertained. I thought this was a good hardcore match with the cell around it. Um, I thought it made Lashley look really dominant against somebody he can, you know, uh, believably just kind of beat up. But Woods played a very effective baby face and it set up a nice way to close the show with the best friend of the next title challenger getting tortured by the champion. So I, I enjoyed this segment. I really enjoyed everything involving Kofi and Lashley on the show. I really liked the, the Drew, um, uh, what is it, uh, Riddle match. I think all the men's Money in the Bank qualifiers were at least enjoyable in match quality and rather, you know, pleasantly surprising in booking. It was like it made all the qualifiers, even though I don't intend, I don't believe like a Ricochet or, you know, uh, John Morrison have any chance of winning. They are enjoyable additions to see in a ladder match. And I thought it started them off like on a good note. But on the women's division on this show, this women's division is a mess. It's. Every program is bad from the top down. Charlotte, and there's, and there's more than there's so many programs. I mean, you had you have all, it, like it's great that you have all these women that are regular parts of the show, but they're all involved in these terrible stories. Really, really terrible. Charlotte Rhea is an awful heel versus heel feud with the terrible finish last night that uh, just gave me little uh, faith that anything will be different for the next month. It's, you know, um, Natalia and Tamina versus Dana and Mandy fighting over photo shoots and, um, you know, completely negating the concept of wins and losses. And then, of course, like we're not even mentioning Alexa Bliss and what's going on with her and Shayna. Like Alexa Bliss was at this point, the mind control is like the least of our concerns. We have Nikki Cross as a superhero, Um, you know, what's current do drop do drop. I totally forgot that everything involving the women's division is is awful right now on on the show i would i would concur with that um you know some of the follow-up from i i think you look at those women's programs it is just um brutal what they're navigating through uh with, with some of these stories um you, you did get some some good wrestling on tonight's show and positive or negative it was a much faster paced show you had stakes attached to pretty much all of the matches so that inherently made things um move quicker and be more engaging um but it's raw it's raw you're mm. you're complimenting on a curve well i i do applaud them for giving us fresh directions with kofi and lashley i mean for once we're not getting a wrestlemania rewind you know rematch season like we're getting Kofi and Lashley, we're getting Drew telling a losing streak story, which you know we'll see where they go, and then the Money in the Bank qualifiers, which you know all make sense and are are relatively fresh faces. So, I'm positive on the men's side of things, but the women's is just something's going on. It's not good. And we've got the antique Jeff Hardy. The antique, yes. All right, we're gonna go over to forum.postwrestling.com tonight's episode of Raw. On a scale of 1 to 10, you said 6.85. A very generous rating. 
for tonight. Relatively high for Raw. Raw. I'll say, like, the last hour, um, the third hour, pretty solid when you couple Drew and Riddle with the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, it's, you got, uh, I would say, about, like, 40-plus minutes of pretty strong wrestling in there with commercials, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's go to Brandon from New Jersey. A rare written-in report from Brandon. You want to know what happened tonight, Way? An update? So I was told that I had to defend my championship tonight. The inter-channel Con- championship. Inter-conta-channel title. Yeah. So I had to make a defense before Raw ended. So I said, fine, listen. I'm someone that I... I'm not going to just use a desk panel to get out of a title match. I will defend my championship. So I went in, a fighting champion. I defended against Brandon from New Jersey. And ladies and gentlemen, I was beaten by Brandon from New Jersey, who made a calculated error from the WWE playbook. He gave me an automatic rematch, and I snatched that title back. And what? I bolted from the room, and you won't see me all week. So fight it out this week. I'll be watching from afar. Someone impress me, and maybe I will defend that title this Friday on SmackDown. Wow. You refreshed the loan. You renewed the loan at the library. I made my mandatory, and now I'm off. I'm on vacation. Damn. Wow. I, well, I feel terrible for the, for the Discord, but uh, congratulations to you, champion, for at least another week. Listen, I, I do immeasurable prestige that gets added to that belt every hour that I'm holding on to it. So they have to look at the big picture and understand that one title defense for me means so much more from any other champion. Wow. Do you have anything to say about that, Brandon? No, no. I'm not reading your feedback and taking you on the show. That's too much of you. I- he hung up. <laughs> does that mean I have to read this? Yes. Yes, it does. My dearest John and Way, happy belated Los Padres Day. Been a minute since we spoke. No, it's actually been five seconds since we spoke. Hope all is well, man. I truly mean it. Respect the way you guys forged your will in the fire of competition. Because if you didn't, then you wouldn't have had the courage to face your greatest obstacles. I haven't watched Raw in quite a long time, and due to the, I think he means due to the Sixers' performance last night in Game 7, I felt inspired. Inspired to write again. Inspired to lift my voice and speak to the people. His meanderings. We'll see how many we get through. Okay, wait, just give me the hook if you get tired of these. No, no, every single one of them. We're gonna get I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be too uh, sarcastic here because I don't want Brandon to retire again. Ricochet dressed like he was inspired by Terry Hogan in his F.U. New Blood style. You remember that? Not really. Remember F.U.N.B.? Hulk Hogan? No. Is that like his, his version of FUBU? I, I, I don't know if it was directly like a Terry Bollea saying, how can I adapt FUBU to Hulk Hogan in the year 2000? Why was Ricochet dressed like he was going to wrestle Nick Gage at a GCW show? Was Riker imitating Jim Caviezel from Passion of the Christ. With Ottawa loosening travel restrictions, what is the first thing you want to do with the newfound freedom? Road trip to the Big Nickel? Also, it's 11 degrees in Perry Sound. 
No, I don't think I'd. Uh, it wouldn't be my first trip to Sudbury, nor Perry Sound, but maybe my tenth trips. Okay, and he wants to recommend Grappler, Craig Jones. Oh yeah, yeah. Always okay. a wide variety of meanderings from Brandon from New Jersey. Mm. We haven't gotten him in written form lately, so thank you, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon, as always. We got a Kate from Montreal who says on Sunday, Rhea Ripley was disqualified from a match for hitting Charlotte, not very hard, with the cover from the announcer's desk. I know this happened because I saw it 24 hours ago, but in case I didn't remember, there was a segment about it on tonight's show. Randy Orton slammed John Morrison into the announcer's desk and put him through it, but this did not warrant a disqualification. I think because it's Because that I... desk got in Randy's way. The desk should have been disqualified. Yeah. I think we established this. Like, he. If he lifted the desk to hit an opponent, he would be... Completely deep. ridiculous. What about the water gun? Does that constitute a disqualification? Is that a interference from an did, outside participant? Did the ref see who shot the water gun? Yes. Did he? We all saw it. We saw it. Did the referee see it? Could have been raining in there, in the Thunderdome. Um... I know other stuff happened on the show. Bits of it were good. More more of it was bad. But it doesn't matter because all of it will be forgotten in a week. Or it won't. Chaos reigns. That's the other show. Alexander from Portland. This weekend was hell. Two unadvertised Hell in a Cell matches on TV on top of its own pay-per-view. This gimmick feels very overdone. I mean, you say that, but I mean, it did work on Friday. And we'll see if this helps tonight's number. I don't think it's going to hurt it. At the very least... Um, oh, they, we know, of course, it'll help. I mean, but so would having a WrestleMania every single week. You know, why wouldn't they call tonight's show WrestleMania the Raw? Money in the Bank is looking great so far, and tonight's qualifiers made me much more interested in seeing who will qualify on the SmackDown side. Tonight felt like the best episode of Raw in months. That said, the women's division has lost me. If Rhea and Charlotte is the title feud going forward, it's a cold match to offer fans for their big return to live crowds. You see, that's where I disagree. These two can have... Phenomenal matches together. It is what they have been saddled with and the way that they have booked this feud that it's taken your interest in these two out. When bell to bell, I have no problem with these two having a great match and with a live crowd left to their own devices, I'm sure they'll have a fantastic match at the pay-per-view. But the steps to get there are what I am not looking forward to. Similarly, uh, Alexa Bliss is a tough one to see getting good reactions. Drew and Bobby come across came across as stars tonight. Lashley going going 2-0 in Hell in a Cell two nights in a row. Feels like a genuinely great moment in his career. If Kofi gets the title match, please give us Xavier in Money in the Bank. 6 out of 10. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Woods in Money in the Bank, although right now it doesn't really seem like that's his role, nor will, will, will there be a spot for him, because we do have SmackDown qualifiers as well. But uh, I thought Woods, you know, was used to great effect tonight. He keeps bringing up the King of the Ring as sort of his, you know, white whale. And, um, well, as soon as they bring him back, I imagine there'll be a big audience push for him to be the one to win it. Or at least challenge to make it to the end. So that was all of your feedback to Raw. So thank you for, number one, tuning in live for Rewind to Raw, submitting feedback and for just supporting post-wrestling. So thank you to all. Thank you to you, Way, as always. The superhero of post-wrestling. Oh, I don't, know if that, I don't know if that's a compliment tonight, but thank you, John. Um, and thank you to all of the patrons who support us at postwrestlingcafe.com. 
Uh, you're the reason we have jobs. So thank you guys. We'll be releasing a bonus show for you all Tuesday. And a lot more to come in the Post Wrestling Cafe this week. MCU later. Rewind us. Dine it down on Saturday. Lots of great stuff. Archives are up there. And of course, youtube.com slash post wrestling. Go subscribe to the channel. Lots of cool stuff going up there. Uh, maybe an extra show or two that may drop this week. So always keep your eyes appealed uh, to the post wrestling YouTube channel. That's it for us. Thank you very much. And we'll speak with you later this week.